The beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Welcome in. Happy Soccer Podcast Day to you. I am Bone. And I am a very sad being. <laughs> yes. Welcome into Bone and Beam United. And, uh, you know, Beamer, we got a lot to talk about today. We could certainly talk about MLS is back tournament. That's going to come up because the schedule was released. I would love nothing more than our entire podcast be about MLS is back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was thinking we could touch on that. We could certainly touch on uh, some things to do with Champions League. There's a deal with uh, UEFA getting uh, no longer having Turner Sports be a part of their broadcast team. They've opted out of their deal, so we'll talk about that. Christian Pulisic has had a nice little return to the Premier League, so we can get into the golden boy for U.S. soccer. But um, did anything else happen recently with the Premier League that you can think of, Beam, that you would particularly love to talk about? Not that I can really think of off the top of my mind. No. Did you have anything that you wanted to discuss today? You know, I I did. I thought of this uh, this club up in Liverpool. They they play at Anfield. I believe so not they are Everton. no, not Everton. No, the, the okay. other live the other Liverpool team, as Liverpool is known, the other Liverpool. Oh. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think they they uh, they they hoisted a trophy virtually, but they've done it. They are your uh, Premier League champions, and you being a Manchester United fan, it, if I didn't know better, I would think you were a little uh, little angry about that. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a heck of a day for Liverpool fans, all joking aside, man. It was something that's been, in, the, you know, it's been coming for a long, long time now with this entire season for Liverpool. And today they got to hoist the trophy. So a big congratulations to them. The catalyst for that, of course, was Chelsea and Manchester City. They were playing at Stamford Bridge earlier today on Soccer Podcasting Day is when we're recording this. It's literally... I don't know what 45 minutes after that match has ended. So, I mean, it's fresh. It's a very fresh wound for me, but you're right, bone. I mean, Chelsea defeated city two to one just in that game alone. It has a bunch of implications on what's going on for, you know, champions league qualifying for next year. So it was a big match in its own, but then the little subsection of, Oh yeah. If Chelsea defeats city today, Liverpool are going to be crowned. Premier League champions, and that's exactly what happened. And to make it sweeter, I know for you, Christian Pulisic, back and better than ever, he scores the go-ahead goal in the 36th minute to put them up 1-0. Kevin De Bruyne scored an unbelievable free kick to get the game tied in the 55th minute. And then Willian strikes on a penalty, gives Chelsea the 2-1 win. Big win for them, big points. But the story of the day is, in fact, the Reds of Liverpool, and they are back. Yeah, it's pretty interesting watching that game because I had it on during, you know, our radio show broadcast, you know, sure. Common Man and T-Bone. Check us out, 3 to 6. That's We're still there. <laughs> Hello, we're still on the air. And the but, best of the Buckeye show, too. Yeah. <laughs> Buckeye show this week, but you can hear a lot of stupid that we've pre-recorded. Yeah, there you go. 
Um, so that that I was watching it, and and they showed Polisic's goal, and then they cut to I think maybe after it was William's goal, where they showed the whole wall of Liverpool fans who were virtually yeah. you know being watched by the Premier League broadcast. And I thought, what a weird thing to watch, man! Like you see Chelsea score a goal, and then they go immediately to Liverpool fans to say how. But you understand why it makes total sense. Sure. But I, I really was hoping, and it's it's okay how it worked out, but I was hoping that Christian Pulisic could be attached to it in a way that, you know, Christian Pulisic technically scored the goal that gave Liverpool their first trophy or their first uh, Premier League title in 30 years. Uh, that would be a nice little tie into his uh, his time. But yeah, Liverpool deserves everything they've gotten this year. Obviously, we were joking about that quite a bit, but no, they've been great. They deserve it. And I think it's it would have been a nice little symmetry, too, if Polisic, having formerly played for Jurgen Klopp, you know, sure. at Dortmund, that would have been a nice little tie-in if he could have been the one to put the bow on it. But Kevin De Bruyne wasn't going to let that happen. So Polisic, though, almost had one that that was the game winner. And uh, was that Kyle Walker that came up and cleared it off the line, I want to say, for City? It was, yep. That was a great – it was a great clearance, a great sequence, but uh, – Man, like I, I want to talk about Liverpool. I don't want to do them a disservice. You and I are not Liverpool fans, but we acknowledge how great this is for them, and it's kind of been inevitable. The part that you know I'm excited about is watching Christian Pulisic terrorize people ever since he's come back. He has been one of the best players in the Premier League in the short time it's been back. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's he, he's been unbelievable. And I know that, you know, we joked around a couple of podcasts ago when we were talking about, you know, what did you say, 15 goals, right? 15, Was yeah. arc at the beginning of the year for him, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, he's scored in back-to-back games for Chelsea. He's looking like he has certified his place in the starting 11. Uh, he scored the game today – or scored the goal today. He made Mendy look like an absolute fool on the goal, but he scored – you know, oh. Just pickpocketed both city defenders. It was an air at the back for them, and he made them pay. So it was a fantastic, you know, outing for Christian Pulisic. A fantastic uh, result for Chelsea. But yeah, the big story was Liverpool, and the first time in 30 years they get to hold the Premier League trophy. And I myself, as a Manchester United fan, could not be more upset about it. <laughs> Well, and that's understandable. And all the Liverpool fans who have been uh, tweeting at us at Bone Beam United, uh, clearly this is your day. You, this is your – just enjoy oh, the rest of the summer. Yeah. This is the enjoy summer the of Liverpool. Feels like we've had a few summers of Liverpool of late, but this is another one for you. And I, I do – I will say this. I really feel for the Liverpool fans because – uh, Why? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because uh, Morgan Hughes, uh, of course, of Save the Crew fame and for being a rough lad, him and uh, – you know, yeah, he's he's known for that. Anyway, yeah, uh, big, but, big time rough lad. Yeah. So Morgan tweeted out and said, could you imagine being, you know, like the crew win another championship and none of us can be together to celebrate it? And I and I do feel for the Liverpool fans. I'm sure some around here went to bars, but I know a lot of you probably couldn't. I'm sh- and, and we're seeing the scenes right now as it plays out at Anfield. I mean, that. The fans are there. They are celebrating. They are not social distancing. There are no masks being worn. All right, whatever. But I I, I understand that it's celebratory. It's been 30 years. But in no way will the celebrations for that team come close to what they would be had they been able to celebrate this the way you normally would if there was no pandemic going on. So I'm just saying from that standpoint – 
I feel for the Liverpool fans who probably wanted to be at a bar, who wanted to be enjoying this with all the other fans that they usually watch games with. You couldn't get to do that. That's the communal experience of soccer that you missed out on. So I do feel bad for them in that sense. Yeah, I understand that, and I get it. Obviously, we're going through a global pandemic still. Uh, the Premier League took 100-plus days off, uh, which was really wild. I mean, you know, you and I have been basically at home for that entire time since, I believe, yeah. March 18th or 19th or whatever it's been since we've been working from home. But you're right, man. Anytime that your team wins a championship and you're not able to celebrate fully – I don't know if it dampens the occasion because you still have that feeling that, all right, our team won the title. It's something that they haven't done in 30 years. Is Liverpool back? Are they going to be, you know, chasing trophies now every single year? You look bone. I mean, last year, Champions League winners. This this year now, Premier League title holders. And so Jurgen Klopp has finally gotten this team in the order that he wants. They have bought into his system. He has built them perfectly. And honestly, you look at this team, man, and they are set up unbelievably for the next few years. And so yeah. you know, I know today was kind of part two in the in the ongoing series of Jurgen Klopp and the major trophies that they have won. But you're right. I mean, everything that has gone on in the world, even my myself as a Manchester United fan, and even if people are coming to this podcast and checking it out, I know that. It's not the greatest day in the world, but still, you have to, you do, you do have to feel for the fans that cannot fully enjoy it, or what a night at Anfield would be like, what a night in Liverpool would be like if everything was going 100% full caliber, and that's not the situation we're living in, but still, I mean, you won the Premier League bone in 31 games, which is <laughs> stunning, like, I can't remember a time you know, watching the Premier League and the time that I have from when I was probably in, you know, fifth, sixth grade uh, to see a team wrap it up with seven games remaining. Like, that's pretty stunning. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's not something that happens all the time. So, for sure, the way Liverpool won this, they are clearly the class of the Premier League and with who the hell knows what Manchester City is going to be next year. Because we don't sure. know how the Champions League band's going to, if that if that stands, and then if it does, how that affects them. We don't really know even what your guys, Manchester United, who who we'll talk about in a second. They seem to be kind of making some headway and starting to to get some some positive flow going there. Always at the wheel, baby. Yeah, if you can get back into Champions League, that changes their dynamic a bit. I would believe it helps them find possibly their way, but. You know, Chelsea is a lot of good young talent, as we just saw on display today. But there's there's no one in in the Premier League right now that can touch what Liverpool is, and I don't see how that changes over the next. Well, certainly not next season. I mean, it's Liverpool will be your presumptive favorite uh, to win every tournament they're in, European or otherwise. I mean, they they are going to be in that spot uh, going forward. So yeah, they deserve it. They deserve all the credit. It was one of the most dominant seasons we've ever seen. Liverpool, you deserve everything you're getting here. So from a couple non-Liverpool fans, cheers to you. You earned it. You deserve it. Enjoy that trophy. Exactly. Um, and as Sir Alex Ferguson once said in his famous speech when he took over Manchester United, the goal is now for Manchester United to knock Liverpool right off their effing perch. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it is. And that's, that's what's going to motivate the uh, – all the other teams in the Premier League that are in that level that want to be up there. You know, I guess we, we glossed over Leicester City. They could certainly be in that spot, too. They're sitting, you know, 55 points compared to Manchester City's 63. 
Real, real quick on that, I mean, I don't think it's likely, but any chance you could see a Leicester City sneak up and get the second spot? It's it's not completely out of reach. Manchester City, Pep has said that they're right now their tournament is the FA Cup. That's what they're. Sure. That's their. They've got the Newcastle match this weekend, and he already has said, like today they didn't run out of full strength roster. They still played a lot of their guys, but and Manchester City has plenty of depth. But he's pretty much said that's that's our World Cup. That's that's what we're going for. So maybe Leicester is able to pull something out and get up to second. I don't know what that does for you, but yeah, I guess I it would be a nice does anything probably other yeah. than saying that you beat Manchester United and Chelsea and city and all these different people. And in, in the year that Liverpool walked away with the league, but still, I mean, it'd be something to hang your hat on. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of people were talking about bone when Leicester won their, their premiership back a few years ago. Like, do you have the staying power? And, you know, it looked like it was going to be up in the balance. Like, were you going to be able to even stay in the Premier League? And they have, I mean, just totally right in that ship. And now they're back in top flight European football. And they're going to be playing in the Champions League next year. So I think I said, too, when we were doing our Premier League predictions, I'm pretty sure if we go back and we pull the tape on that, that I had Leicester finishing top four so I think they're they're beautifully set up for the future as well yeah yeah they are and I think you're right on that I'm pretty sure you had them as well so uh yeah it's it's going to be a fun battle for (laughs) the rest of of the Champions League spots or not the rest of them but the bottom Champions League spot which as we have talked about we still don't know what the situation will be with City because I don't think that ruling has come down yet it's not till July um but Right now, Manchester United, if it is going to be City's ban won't be upheld and Chelsea's the fourth team, then you're looking at Manchester United being two points off. Along with Wolves, both of those teams are only two points off. So even if it is... Five points off. No, Wolves is not. They're, They're 49, right? Yeah, but Chelsea got three points today. They're at 54. Oh, God, yeah. It's all right, math. Stupid. No, no, it's not. I was... I. I had clicked on the Premier League standings like at two o'clock this afternoon and I had forgot to update them. You're right. So, all right. It's still Manchester United and Wolves, Five though. Points. That's all right. It's doable yeah. in seven games. It is doable, but it's it's Manchester United and Wolves still sitting there with a chance to one of them get into that spot, especially if Manchester City's not going to be, uh, you know, in the in the Champions League. So, how do you feel about your Manchester United chances given the way they've been playing of late because they look phenomenal right now? Yeah, they did. Yesterday I was, you know, I, I told you I've been doing the noon to three show all week on 97.1 The Fan. So I was able to watch that game in its entirety while doing the show. So my normal co-host, Timmy Hall, I just let him talk basically for two hours and he's very good at doing that. So it was it was kind of funny uh, where I was just kind of watching the game. But I mean, that, that game, Bone, it could have been – I mean, 5-6-0 if Marcus Rashford decided that he had put on the shooting boots. You look at the possession for United, I think it was somewhere around 70%. They had seven shots on target on 14. So it was it was a blistering that United, that United had yesterday. And it was the first time, which was something that we talked about back in the winter when Bruno Fernandes was introduced to the team, Paul Pogba. He was out due to injury. Now, Paul Pogba looked kind of gassed yesterday in the second half, and that's fine. Still kind of getting your sea legs under you. I totally understand that. But it was the first time that we had a Paul Pogba-Bruno Fernandez midfield. 
And that's and a key right there. Was like drooling the entire time <laughs> over them. They dominated the midfield, and it was so fun to watch those guys with the creative play. They really did look like an entirely different team where it was almost like Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial were just kind of switching off and deciding which one was going to make a run at the ball. And so that's a whole new dynamic that it brings in for United with having both of those guys in the midfield uh, with, with their playmakers who are absolute speedsters, man, when, when they can ball up there and let Rashford and Martial and those guys go get it. I mean, United looked pretty good yesterday. We'll see if they can keep their form. They play Saturday against Norwich. So uh, if they can keep that form in that game, then they play Brighton and then Burnmouth and then Villa. So you're not exactly playing murderer's row right no, now. You got, I mean, that's, that's really a good opportunity for them uh, to continue the form that, that they've been on. That's a 12 points that Manchester United really needs. I mean, they I, need, any, yeah, anybody they, would want it, but it. it's, yeah. it would, it would, I don't want to say it's inexcusable because you know, it's soccer, right? It's professional soccer. And those teams are all fighting for their lives. So you're going to get their best efforts too. But I think if Manchester United can come away with minimum of, you know, getting, you know, nine or 10 points out of that, I think that's, that's where they need to be targeting clearly uh, because they need to put some distance. They are not they're They're in the fight right now. Wolves are right there tied with them. Uh, but it was a good statement for them yesterday going up against that Sheffield United team that, obviously thought they were in this and still technically are not out of it, but sure, you know, that's a big dent into their hopes and Sheffield United's been a really cool story, but Manchester United took a little step yesterday, I think to remind everybody, Hey, we don't consider ourselves to be in that class of teams. We're not with wolves, even though they're tied, we're not down with Tottenham and Sheffield United crystal palace. These are different teams than where we are. We think we're above and beyond that. And so they should feel that way. Um, Real quickly before we get to the bottom of the Premier League, Arsenal. Now they they bounced back and got themselves a win, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. But that to me just feels like a disaster. Well, they are a disaster. They've more, been. more. I know they have been, but more so even than what, more so even than what I expected them to be this year. And I'd kind of forgotten about how bad that defense is. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, they've been gone for so they, long, and just watching really them is just do they stink. It's absolutely pathetic. I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know. I don't know how Arsenal has let themselves get to this point where defensively they are so poor, but that cannot stand this off season. You have to make massive changes and fix that. Cause I just, that's indefensible. There's no way Arsenal should be that, that caliber of team. Not, yeah, it's, it's, it's really wild to look at them. And I know Mikel Arteta came in and everybody was excited about it. Maybe, you know, when he finally kind of gets his teeth into the system and gets his guys in play, then it'll be a different story. But it is really, really wild to see Arsenal drop that far off the pace. I mean, they're right now situated in ninth place behind Sheffield United and one point ahead of Crystal Palace and Burnley. You tell me what universe Arsenal <laughs> should know. be situated that portion of the table yeah it, it it's not a it's not something that i understand at all and and i and i don't think that that's going to be something they can get used to i mean that's not that not that the fans are getting used to it clearly they're not but i'm saying you cannot have some kind of inertia or um yeah i guess inertia just sit there where where you're you're suddenly that's just where you are stuck they they cannot let that happen they cannot take that lion down so uh i do know a lot of arsenal fans that will not accept this. And and I don't really know what they can do about it, but this is not not the team you want. I know they had a nice result 
previous to the first couple matches back, but the couple, you know, the first couple matches back, I thought, can you imagine being an Arsenal fan? You've been waiting all this time to see your team play, and then this is the effort you get. This is the result you get. It's just, yeah, indefensible, I guess would be the word. Let's move down real quick to the bottom of the uh, table here. Things are getting even snugger. Yeah, I love it. Oh, no, it's great. I mean, Brighton has kind of extricated themselves. They are now five points or uh, six points. Yeah, because they beat Arsenal last week. (laughs) That helps when you can do that, right? That's not one people were counting on them to get, but they got it. Uh, But then you've got Watford sitting at 28 points in the 16th position. Uh, West Ham technically clear on goal differential with 27 Mm -hmm. points, but they are dead heat tied with Burnmouth and Aston Villa, all of them sitting on 27. So it's it's gotten real snug. And you know who this is actually probably really good news for? Norwich was basically left for dead. And I, you know, we were we were leaving them for dead. They probably should be. But they're only six points out of being clear. As weird as that is, right? Or at yeah, least and you look, of being yeah. tied with these teams. Now those teams would all have to keep dropping and Norwich would have to pull off some improbable victories. But well, yeah, boom, but you look at who they play. So they play United this weekend. All right. On that's Saturday. tough. Yeah. It's probably not. Yeah. That's not going to be good news for them. But then you look and they play Arsenal. All right. We were just talking about them. They're at shambles at the back. Then they have a game against Brighton. Yeah. And then against West Ham. And then, all right. So there you go. You talk about. You know, three matches of your remaining seven, which you're looking at and saying, all right, well, the Arsenal one, are you fully expecting to get, to get three points? No, not really. But those two matches against Brighton and West Ham, all right, then you're probably expecting something good to happen about that. Then you got Watford, okay, you know, not the most daunting opponent. So, Well, but that's another team that, it, okay, if you're Norwich and you're trying to, to find a way, you know, if you want to say there's some light at the end of the tunnel, you just named a couple teams that they're fighting with. And there's three teams that are going down. And if you throw Norwich in the mix, that means there's five teams fighting to not be the three. So Norwich is looking at that saying, well, if we can beat the other teams that we're playing, why can't we be one of the two that are getting out? I mean, yeah, I look still, at Norwich right now. You have, like I said, United, Arsenal, Brighton, Watford, West Ham, Chelsea, Burnley City. So I really look at those games, Bone. I look at United, Chelsea, Burnley, and City like – that's going to be extremely tough yes. for them, right? Yes. So you look at those four middle games of of their remaining schedule, you look at that and say, all right, those are that's a 12-point gap for us. If we can do the improbable, if we can do that, those are the four games we need to put every single thing in. Because yeah. you yeah. finish the season against Chelsea, Burnley, and City, that's going to be tough for you to do. But those four games, if you can get a point against Arsenal and then all of a sudden perhaps you're on the right foot, you're feeling your form, your guys are getting back into it, Brighton, Watford, and West Ham, like three games in a row, it's not the most unthinkable thing in the world. If they got those, if they got the point and then, I mean, you're talking 10 points there, they'd be on 31 and they would have taken three off of, you said, Watford and West Ham right? Correct. So then that puts Wofford and West Ham's, you know, total that they could get out of their four games. I mean, still, they'd be higher than 31 points, but right. if either of them could also drop a game or two, Norwich should feel like right now they've got life. It's not got like shot. it's you've right. Got, it's not, it's not, yeah, you're not there yet, but you, you pull off something against Arsenal and you beat Watford and it's a very different and exciting situation. This could, I'm not saying we're going to get to it, but this could be one of the best uh, relegation battles we've ever seen in a year where we pretty much knew who the champion was going to be since December or November even. 
I mean, you you could you can argue that this might be one of the better relegation battles we've ever had. So keep an eye on that. I do hope Norwich can uh, can find a way to keep making it interesting. And of course, Burnmouth not helping themselves right now. I need them to kind of round into form here because they're they're <laughs> right now sitting as the first one out. So I need them to to fix that because you know I've adopted them. That's my other team. It's my bottom of the That's league. Right. Team. Come on, and any team that you adopt is no good. <laughs> That's right. Not good news. That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> speaking of my adopted teams, one thing back on Chelsea that I forgot to bring up about Christian Pulisic, who, of course, we love. Um, this is from Tutul Rahman. You can find him on Twitter at Tutul is my name. Uh, he has done some MLS podcasts and and he's a you know soccer fan and he's he's done a lot with covering the sport. He posted this um, best American attacking season in Premier League history. Uh, so he compared it with uh, Clinton Dempsey's 2011-2012 season. He had 17 goals, 17 assi- or 17 assists, 17 goals and seven assists in 3,325 minutes, which works out to a .65 goals plus assists per 90. Okay, so right. you know contributing about .65 you know goals, even though we're counting an assist as a goal there, but that's what his you know, goals plus assists per 90 is. So 0.65, pretty good. It's the best from a U.S. national team player uh, in the Premier League. Christian Pulisic, yeah, in his limited amount of time this year, seven goals, two assists in only 1,156 minutes. Um, he now has a 0.70 goals plus assists per 90. So technically, you know, five one-hundredths better than, uh, than Clinton Dempsey. So that... That is not the same amount total, obviously, but his pace for the minutes he's played, pretty good. And he can certainly enhance that with these last few games where he seems to be motivated and healthy and in a spot where he's going to be able to do some damage. Yeah, and I know that I have always, you know, when we've been doing this podcast, Bo, and I know that you have jumped right into the Christian Pulisic pool when he moved over to Chelsea, and I was excited for him as well. Uh, but you have to do realize, like, all right, you're stepping into one of the biggest clubs in the world. There's pressure every single match. And how are you going to be able to handle that? And there was a real question there for a little bit when he was injured. And still, let's not forget, too, like, you know, Chelsea's bringing in Timo Werner in the offseason. They've signed Hakeem Ziyech. Uh, and so, you know, he's still going to have to battle for his place. And it'll be fascinating to watch, you know, as the end of the year comes up. And as he's getting his his legs under him again, like as we saw today against City, he scored that big goal. You know, if he continues this form bone, then you're thinking, all right, well, you know, Frank Lampard's going to have a decision to make. I know that Ziyech can play really wherever he wants. So can Timo, where, you know, sometimes he can play as a full-out striker. Sometimes you put him on the wing. And so, really, you look at the next seven games for Christian Pulisic, not saying that it's going to determine his Chelsea future, but – if he continues to impress and continues to put up numbers and assist and goal tallies, then you look at next year, like, all right, if you're fully healthy, there's no reason why you shouldn't be competing for the starting 11. And then by the middle of next year, hopefully for his perspective, starting every single game at Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think that's correct. And, you know, you look at this situation for him. He had not played prior to Sunday. He had not played since – January 1st right (laughs) he'd basically played and I know that that sounds worse because we had a you know three-month layoff with the Premier League but 
you know, they, they were playing up until middle of March. So basically he played none of January other than the first day, none of February and half of March. So at least, and then before that, I mean, he, he had a couple weeks here and there where he was out of the lineup for a variety of reasons. So his December was, you know, up and down. All I'm saying is, you know, he basically had two and a half months without soccer before soccer got canceled because right. of the injury. So for him to come back and play this way, I, I think it's you're right. It's vital for him for his future there. But I think it also is shutting up some of the people who thought, oh, they brought him in to sell jerseys. Well, they did. Correct. And and that is going to by the way, that's going to factor into their decision making. Not that of they're going it to. It's a business. We it's, get it. It's not factoring into them playing him, but they will decide if they want to keep on with their investment or try to sell him based on a lot of factors that do include his on the field abilities, clearly. But they are also going to take a look at, you know, what kind of money he brings off the field. I'm just saying if he keeps playing like this, the decision will not be in a hard one at all for them. Uh, but you're right. He will be clearly someone in line to get every starter's opportunity. And he has been a starter for most of the year when he was healthy. But this is going to be something where as a young player, you have to keep finding ways to get through adversity. And so far, he's answering that bell. So, yeah, this is a this is a very good sign for U.S. national team. It's a very good sign for his career, obviously. But uh yeah, it's fun to watch. And he's, dude, that the goal he had. Now, he had a second one where he broke through and should have had it, and it was clear off the line. But, you know, as we talked about, I mean, he torched two defenders after a, a bad giveaway. But yeah, Good defenders, too. Not like you're yes. playing, I don't know, in the third round of the FA Cup. Like you're talking <laughs> Manchester City defenders. Yeah, I mean, he torched them, and, and the touch everywhere, like everything that you usually see about it was perfect. Yeah, about U.S. soccer players, just in when they play for the U.S. national team, it's oh man, if someone could just finish in the final third, or man, that guy was quick, but he just you know had one touch, let him down. It's like no, he did everything right. Everything was perfect to score that goal. So that's more and more becoming the story with him, and I'm I'm happy about it. Uh, let's uh, now take time to switch gears and talk about Major League Soccer. So the MLS is back tournament. I'm excited about this. I hope they can actually... I am too. I told you a couple of weeks ago I was really excited about this because, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, I am not the biggest MLS guy in the world. If you go back and listen to our Eastern and Western Conference previews, I really didn't know jack about anything. All right. And so that's okay. That was part of it, though, was I was trying to help give you some insight, but also the listeners who might be in the same boat, who maybe yeah, watch exactly. a lot more European so, like, football. I'm, ex- and- I'm excited about this because I feel like, at least with this bone, it's going to give me an opportunity. I will know what time, what day, what place every single team is playing on. It is going to be kind of a World Cup format where it's going to be a month long and you can just pop on the TV and watch all of these games because sometimes finding MLS games is tough, right? Like, all right, where can I watch Vancouver? How can I, how can I consume that? Yeah. So now with this MLS is back tournament, I'm excited to be able to watch all these teams where I really haven't, I I haven't been able to watch them before or haven't seek them, sought them out. And so now it's going to be right in front of my eyes. So I'm, I'm thrilled about it actually. Yeah, I am too, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun, even if, as we found out, uh, if you're a Columbus Crew fan, you're mm-hmm. going to have to sit through watching a few of these games because the Crew's schedule is kind of stupid. What they've done here is they have given the Crew a starting time of 11.30, or 11.30, 10.30 at night on Saturday, July 11th. So that's the first game back for them. 
the actual tournament will kick off the Wednesday prior to that. But crew and FC Cincinnati going head to head. I I love Hell is Real. I love that fact. But you're gonna have to stay up till ten thirty at night to watch two East Coast teams play. It's just it's just a scheduling quirk that I will never understand about Major League Soccer. I don't know why they do this to the crew. They did the same thing the following Thursday. That's when the crew take on the Red Bulls, and that's also at 10.30. Tuesday, July 21st, the game will be at 8 p.m. against Atlanta, but that one is only on uh, Univision Sports, or you can watch it on Twitter. But that means there's not a national English language broadcast of the crew that starts before 10.30 at night. So whatever. Yeah, at least At least we get to watch soccer. I'm trying to remain positive on that, but it's... It seems stupid to me that they put two East Coast teams two different times, both with the late spot. Well, it is really stupid because now we have these morning starts, Bone, and they want to keep them out of the heat. And I understand that's Florida in the summertime. I understand that it gets hot and sticky and dangerous for these players. Like, I fully understand that. But you're talking about FC Cincinnati and the Columbus crew playing at 1030 on a Saturday night. Like, can can you get a morning game? Can we get anything else like that? I yeah. mean, something in a normal time slot. I thought we were doing these late night games to be able to say, all right, the West Coast teams will have these. It's fine. But I don't know. I don't get it. But I will say that you are going to be proud. Why am I going to? Why is that? The new house that we moved into, we yeah. have a shared driveway with our neighbors, right? And so my neighbor is a massive crew fan. Oh, they okay. Massive, massive crew fans. They have season tickets. They go tailgate. You probably know them. I may. They, I very well may. They listen, they listen to this podcast, and it's awesome. Oh, great. So we have our garages. I'm looking at it right now. We have our garages that are right next to each other. So what we're thinking about doing, of course, the coronavirus is still a thing. Yeah. What we're thinking about doing, because his brother has a projector about hanging a tarp between our garages and having a crew watch party. I love it. Driveway for the Saturday night game against FC Cincinnati. You know what? Um, if you're open to visitors, social distancing yes. appropriate, I might have to swing over with a lawn chair, a, hev- a heavily reinforced lawn chair, but a lawn chair nonetheless. And, uh, <laughs> I may just have invited myself to your house, but yeah, please I, come over. Yeah, right. it's gonna be awesome. We were literally, I was mowing the grass right before we did this, and he was out there talking to me, and he was like, So I think we can actually do this. Like, if we get a big tarp and we'll be able to hang the projector there. And I'm like, that sounds amazing to me. Like, there's nothing more I'd love than a 10:30 game against FC Cincinnati with a bunch of crew fans in our driveway to be watching this game outside on a nice little July evening. Yeah, I think that's great. I'm uh, I'm very intrigued by that. And you know what? That's the good thing, right? Is if you, even if it's a 10:30 start, you got to make the best of it. And that's that's what crew fans are good about. That's why we, that's why crew fans have been around for so long because MLS gives us crap, and we just go, all right, whatever. You're stupid. We'll find a way to enjoy ourselves because we're crew Thanks fans. Thanks a lot, Dong. Yeah, Dong Arbor. You can go bleep yourself. You know what's up, but. All I know is they're not going to be able to ignore what this new stadium looks like, which I've seen some more stuff coming from that. And uh, there's structural steel now, Beamer. There's all the concrete's been poured and they're starting to get a structure that actually looks like a stadium down there. So by the time we actually get back to normal, we may just have the new crew stadium already done. I'm thrilled about it. I am thrilled about it. So if you do want to watch other games, just so you know, Wednesday, July 8th is the first night of games. Orlando City takes on Inter-Miami 
or you know Orlando and Miami if you want to just will trap that. FC yeah that's at eight and then uh, Nashville and Chicago Fire at ten thirty so that's the uh, first start time there will be games pretty much I mean I'm looking at this schedule Wednesday night Thursday night Friday Saturday Sunday Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday Monday like they they every go day. straight every day from July eighth uh, up until about uh, July thirty first no they take a couple Ooh. days off there. But still, uh, it looks like Sunday, July 26th, it's almost every day. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that, and I'm happy that we get to watch some soccer and get back to seeing that part of it too, seeing MLS. Don't know what that means afterwards, but we'll check in with sure. our buddy Matt Lampson. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll we can figure get, that out when we get there. Yeah, maybe we can get Lampson on to talk about it while he's actually down there in, uh, in the bubble or in whatever version of the bubble exists. But, uh, yeah, that'll be... It'll be cool. One last thing to bring up before we get out of here is that uh, for those of you who have been kind of frustrated with how Turner covers the Champions League. You can't see me right now. We're doing this on Zoom, but I'm raising my hand. (laughs) Uh, The good news is Turner Sports has opted out of their deal with the Champions League. Uh, That, according to John Uron from Sports Business Journal, that's going to reportedly take effect immediately. They will not show the league matches when play resumes this summer because, of course, that's also going to happen. Good news. Champions League will finish out at uh, some point later this year or in later this summer. But they were apparently just not happy with the arrangement. They apparently didn't like, I guess, some of what what they were able to uh, get out of it, which go figure, right? Maybe if you put more than one game on at a time – and didn't right. make everybody go to your stupid app to watch the rest of them, maybe that would have worked out better for you than if you, you know, hoarding them the way you did and then not giving people what they want. Why would you pay all that money to then not show all the games? That seems to be counterintuitive to the way this would actually make money for you. Yeah, I don't understand it at all. When this Turner deal came out, you and I talked about it. I hated it immediately because, oh, yeah, you got to go to the BR, you know, the Bleacher Report app or whatever to watch this. But I didn't like it at all. You know, I think that both games, you know, I know that, you know, during the group stage bone, uh, there are a ton of games that are going on on Tuesday and Wednesday. Like there should at least be two games that you're able to watch. And then especially too, like when we get down to the final, you know, like the round of 16, you've got four games on a day. You should at least be able to get like the two marquee games. Now, if you want a pay-per-view for the other two, for ones that don't have big impact, like, all right, you know, I understand that we're in the States. I, I, I get it. But to only have one game on a time, it just, it felt just so bad to me. But what I do like about the Champions League and what they're doing. So if you didn't know, uh, the Champions League is going to resume in August. You mm-hmm. will have the round of 16 legs on the 7th and 8th of August. This is a one. So we're done with the, two-leg aggregate scoring. It's just a one-round knockout tournament now. So the 7th and 8th of August, you're going to have the round of 16. Then the 12th through 15th of August, you're going to have the quarterfinals. 18th and 19th, you're going to have the semis. And then you're going to have the finals in Lisbon on the 23rd. So in a two-week window, you're going to have round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals, and the final for Champions League. I mean, tickle me, stupid. I'm going to be in heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a blast. And if you're wondering how you get to watch those, it may be that the Champions League will force Turner to carry the rest of these games. But Turner is saying, if you can find a broadcast partner, we're good with being done. So, and and I'm Perfect. good with them being done. 
So great. So you may see these on ESPN. You may see them on NBC Sports. You might see them on Fox, even though Fox is the one who gave them up last time. Uh, CBS Sports will take this over in next the next year, not this upcoming season. So there is one right. season where that they don't. So whoever presumably, if someone does pick up these broadcast rights for the you know the August tournament, we'll get them for next year. That's probably who's picking them up for next year too, right? So someone will have them next year. Hopefully that will actually put the games on. And then it's CBS Sports, and I really don't know how CBS is going to handle that because I'm I'm assuming they're going to make you buy a stupid app and do the same thing. I, I understand that's where things are going, but I also understand the whole reason you used to buy like these games as a media company would be to show them <laughs> and not right. to force people to go watch them on an app. The thing would be to sell advertising on them, and I don't know why that's lost on people, but apparently it is. So we'll see. if. But the, the good news is maybe that means like CBS will actually put these games on um, you know, some of the games on actual CBS. You know, maybe that will help. And Jim Nance. Hello from Augusta National. <laughs> Can you imagine Jim Nance calling Casting a soccer game? Real Madrid and Atletico. I, I don't I'm know. Jim if, Nance. Jim, Jim's not the guy. Who would be the uh, CBS announcer from like NFL games or maybe there's, you know, I mean, that's mostly Tony Romo seen. on the call. Can you imagine Romo? That would be good. Just a lot of. <laughs> yeah, see what he's going to do. He's going to cross yeah. it in here. Tell you that it's going to come up in five seconds. Five, four, three. There goes the ball and a goal. Like I told you, I just picture him doing more like, "Ooh, that was ah." <laughs> Every VAR review would just be him making that noise, and I'm approving of it. All right, man. I think that's it for us. Have you uh, have you drinking any uh, drinking anything? Good. Am I I've been, drinking anything? Drinking I don't know. Have you? We haven't asked this in a while, but I was just going to see what have you been drinking lately since you've you know been at home if you had any have you found any uh any good beer or any anything you've been hitting that's uh, a little so, different my brother-in-law he works for heineken corporate up in white plains and we were just on vacation last week we met them up in northern michigan and we brought back some beer he gets a stipend every single month for a few hundred dollars so we brought back a bunch of beer for us so i have been drinking the company kool-aid bone and as you can see nobody else on this broadcast can because we're doing a video chat right now right drinking a red stripe which Ooh. is actually quite delicious i haven't had a red stripe in quite a while but that has been my beer of choice it's been a warm weather it's a good day drinking beer and i'm absolutely loving the red stripe right now there you go i uh i was i was the other day i got to on father's day my wife said just you know get out of the house and go do something you want to do That's for a nice few hours yeah, we usually do that for each other, actually, on the various Mother's and Father's Days, because, you know, especially this year with everybody being cooped up. Sure. So I went down to, uh, well, past your old neck of the woods. I went down to Jungle Gyms down in Cincinnati, okay. and I love going there. Lots of cool it know, is different great, things. Isn't it? It's one of my, my favorite places in the world. It's just a giant supermarket that has about every international food stuff that you can think of. If you'd like to find... Uh, dessert from uh, Denmark. You can go there and find five different popular Danish desserts, you know, just from that particular part of the world. And you can go around and I got cookies from uh, from Sweden. I got some Stroop waffles from the mm. Netherlands, which I always love the Stroop waffles. But I uh, went and looked at their beer selection, which is also epic. And their oh, beer, it's massive. Their massive. beer selection, they have a great wine selection too, if you're a wine person. They have cigars. And their liquor department is fantastic as well. <laughs> liquor, I, well, I got some tequila that I'd not been able to find. Uh, so I was excited about that. But anyway, so I got um, 
in the beer section, they have it divided by like different countries. And then they also have it divided by just the American craft beer. They have regions. So you can go down the California aisle, the West Coast kind of aisle. You can go down the East Coast breweries. They have a whole section for Ohio. But they had Highwire Brewing out of North Carolina, which I'm a big fan of. You uh, love these people. Yeah, they had their Citra Goza, which is my favorite. So I got that and I got a milkshake IPA one-off that they did. And uh, those are currently sitting in the fridge. I've actually, I've had the Citra Goza. It's my probably favorite beer of all time. But I haven't had the uh, milkshake IPA. But that's what I've got coming up this weekend. And that's what I'll Well, that sounds fantastic. Enjoy. Maybe when the crew kick off against FC Cincinnati, if you have any <laughs> left, come over to my house and we can watch and consume. You know food. what? That sounds like a plan to me. And uh, probably before that, we will do a little preview maybe of uh, what to expect or just get you reacquainted with the crew, if nothing else. Maybe give you a couple MLS storylines heading into that. But yeah, Beamer, it's been fun. We'll talk again soon. And uh, we appreciate everyone listening. Make sure you subscribe if you have not yet. Bone and Beam United on all your podcast platforms. Make sure you hit the subscribe button if you're listening to us for the first time. And uh, thanks again. We'll see you soon.